0: Well, after a fall of speaking out over a thousand farm workers, voicing their frustration with the changing laws here in Washington state and how it's causing them to make less money they were back, and this time not in eastern Washington. They came to Olympia. As we've talked about here on the program, it's been a few weeks ago now. I was there. Safe Family Farming was there helping support, but it was led by the Center for Latino Leadership. Uh, 300 farm workers in Olympia saying, no overtime. We don't want overtime. Why? Why on earth would someone not want overtime? A lot of people are asking, and we've explained it many times here on the program, um, just how it doesn't, as much as overtime can be potentially a good thing for somebody working an office job or a factory job, it doesn't fit the highly seasonal work that happens in farming, And we're just continuing to check in with more people out there. You know, recently we talked with Alex Lanusa in Kashmir uh, about what this whole situation has meant for him and his pear farm joining us right now on The Farming Show. And welcome, by the way. I'm Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. Um, Joining us right now on The Farming Show uh, from over on the east side, again, uh, is Eric Savala. He is uh, field staff Uh, Director of Field Staff, I should say, for Bluebird Incorporated, a a cooperative of growers with uh, fruit that they produce uh, from the Canadian border all the way down to Oregon, um, based there in the apple capital of the world in Wenatchee. Eric, thanks for being here. Talk about what people are saying right now. You know, you again, Director of Field Staff, you know so many people. You're working with them in the field. You're hearing what what's going on in their lives, what is this, how is this affecting people?
1: Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks Dylan for, uh, for inviting me. And, uh, yeah, so basically, uh, uh being with a, with the field staff and having uh, growers of myself, I, I get the opportunity to work with, uh, yeah, big and small growers, uh, family farms. And, and this, this is, uh, definitely affecting the grower, but also I do have, uh, friends and family members that uh, do work uh, us as laborers uh, either pruning picking thinning you name it in uh, this this new law of the 40 hours uh, basically is filled with uh, misinformation and also disinformation in a way that yeah it sounds wonderful it sounds great that uh, after 40 hours uh, my family members were to start earning uh, overtime. But when reality hit, uh, once they hit those 40 hours, uh, they had to basically told, uh, come back on Monday because there's no way that the small grower is able to pay overtime on on salaries that are already pretty high. So this this, uh, this information uh, kind of backfired because everybody was so excited that, that yeah, I mean, I'm gonna get get paid overtime, and, and everybody started doing the math, and I mean, they're already thinking about getting the new car or buying a new house, whatever, but uh, nobody was uh, basically anticipating that the, the the small family farm and even the big corporations, uh, the, they were not going to be, uh, not willing, but able to pay overtime. So talk about, yeah,
0: is that, you know, you're saying that, that uh, if a threshold for overtime is at 40 hours a week, which it is now as of, you know, the first of this year, um, yes. people can work their 40 hours, but then the farmer saying we can't afford to pay that 50% more uh, per hour for your time beyond that. So we're going to say, call it a week then. And instead what bring in more workers, um, to get the job done, are people able to find workers? Some people have said, well, you know, obviously there must not be a labor shortage if farmers are, are doing it that way. How, how is that playing out for folks?
1: Uh, well, it definitely, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really difficult. Uh, I, I personally have growers that once, once that 40 hours hits, uh, day, the actual farmer and, their family. I mean, uh, their sons, their in-laws, uh, the the farmer's wife. They're having to put on the cherry bucket or the the bag to to pick their own apples until the new week rolls in. So this is really affecting affecting them, and when it comes to to fruit, which is a very perishable commodity is not like well you will just shut off the line and then come back on Monday and pick <laughs> yeah. up where we left. Yeah, you could uh, actually it's, cause uh, more
0: damage by doing that by having fruit go to
1: rot, right? Absolutely. I mean, uh especially like in cherries, you know, it's uh it is a very short window and with the, the extreme weather we've been experiencing in the past years, uh you can I mean the difference between being able to pick your fruit uh today and then then don't pick in three days because you're already topped off on those 40 hours. Uh, it, it's the difference whether you pick or you don't pick at all. Yeah, uh, it just, it's just it's so critical that the fruit needs to get picked when the fruit is ready to be picked. Well, and
0: part of the, the larger perspective problem for the grower right now is that this cost of getting things picked, uh, of paying for the folks to do it, keeps going up and up and up. Okay but the price that they're getting for the fruit isn't going up and up and up. Right. And that's kind of where the squeeze happens.
1: Um, yeah, unfortunately, that's that's uh, that's reality. So, I mean, everything uh, I mean, everybody knows uh inflation is a reality and, and everything is, is going up in price, fuel, chemicals, labor. Uh, but unfortunately, the returns to the grower, uh, they're stagnant. They've been there and, and it has not increased. And like especially like last year, uh, the price of cherries was so low that when we did the math of how much you would be able to pay to get the fruit picked and seeing the returns that the grower was going to get per pound. Uh, personally, several of my growers, uh, decided not to pick because they, yeah, they were going to employ the, the worker, but they were literally going to have to get money out of their wallet to pay this grower, uh, this workers, because th- they were going to lose money by picking.
0: We had that, uh, a year or two ago. Um, when I shared a, a video of a farmer in his field of cantaloupe, uh, over in Eltopia. um, that he chose not to pick because he couldn't afford to do it. Now that that was so hard for a lot of people on social media to wrap their mind around. They're thinking, well, the the fruit is there, um, how and and you've grown it to that point. Why couldn't you just pick it or or then you know make it available to the food bank or or tell the public to come get it? It doesn't work that way, does it?
1: It does not work that way. I mean, uh, liability, uh, of course. One once you get Anybody, I mean, basically, if you want to give up the fruit, say, for free, come and pick it. Uh, As soon as somebody steps foot on your farm, you're responsible for their safety. And if somebody has an accident, uh, falls from the ladder, you name it, or somebody gets sick because of the fruit that they picked out of your orchard, now you're responsible for that. So even though all that time from literally the previous year, from pruning all the way to D-Day, you know, harvest time, and when the math is done and they cannot pick the fruit and, and it's and it's cheaper uh, to just let it hang. Uh, one, one of my growers said, the only earnings I'm gonna get this year is the money that I'm not gonna lose. Mm. Uh, so basically so they already accepted that all that investment that went into producing that piece of fruit uh, is there already, but w- why lose more money by by picking it and then having the warehouse telling them, you know, we couldn't sell it. So we're going to have to just throw it away. Exactly.
0: Again, Eric Savala is with me. He's director of field staff for Bluebird Incorporated over in Wenatchee uh, and all over uh, central Washington in particular, and all the way down to Oregon from the, from the border down to Oregon, they cover a lot of ground, have growers all over the place. It's a cooperative uh, of fruit growers, fruit and, and some of these really labor intensive crops, that we have here in Washington that are, are, unique or a specialty to us, make us particularly vulnerable as a farming community to these um, rapidly increasing costs for labor. Right. I mean, that, that's a big part of it. It's, it's different than growing wheat and having one guy in a combine and one guy in a you know truck and a grain cart, you know, it takes a lot of people. How, how many people, you know, between all the growers that you work with, how many people are we talking about that, that you're, Connected with even just for the the harvest, I mean it's probably
1: thousands, right? Yeah, absolutely, it's thousands. Uh, I mean each uh, each grower depends on an acreage, of course. But uh, I mean, I got growers that uh, at at one point they got three hundred guys picking at once, and. And it is, it is thus that is the most expensive input uh, of any farm, at least in the food industry, is is labor, labor cost.
0: Now, talk about your story a little bit, Eric. You grew up around farm work. You've you've been around this your whole life, right?
1: Yeah, basically, uh, I came to the states uh, back in '95. I was uh, nine years old, and since since day one, I mean, my first night in, this, in the United States was. Uh, uh, sleeping under a walnut orchard in Stockton, California, picking hmm. picking cherries, and and yeah, basically it was. Uh, we didn't. We grew up not knowing what weekends were. Basically, we just yeah. worked throughout and summers. You know, for us, for my my brothers, and uh, that that was what we we're taught. You know, uh, hard work, and that was our opportunity to make money. So yeah, the more you worked, the more money you earned, and and, and that was that was fine. You know, uh, even at at point you know, we we would work in the morning picking cherries came noon and then uh we would go home and then once the evening hit we'd go back and and uh pick for some growers in, in the evening uh, when the, yeah. cool, uh, the the weather kind of cooled down so uh basically working long hours was not was not an issue and right. so now now that they are limiting those hours uh again is it was such a mis miscommunication that this was going to have a, a great impact on this on these workers yeah ex- explain that because coming from a, a family
0: of uh folks in farming and farm work don't you want workers to make more money i'm sure people would say you know shouldn't you be in support of this how how is it that you've come to the the perspective that you
1: have now you know uh it was just kind of interesting to say uh so i i still keep communication with some of my high school teachers you know and and so we we took a drive the other way to uh, to Oroville and so i I'm, I'm, I'm talking to to my teacher about this and i told him you know how the 40 hours and and he he was like well this is great i mean finally uh the farm workers and i get paid overtime and to me it's like wow i mean talk about the media being successful in in and, and painting this this facade that is that it sounds great but is not is not happening so I, I explained to him you know this this i'll give you one example with, with a family relative so he he currently is working for one of the biggest cherry growers in, uh, here in wenatchee and he, he's he was working as an irrigator so working as an irrigator he would start an hour earlier than everybody else uh, to go change the water, check the sprinkler systems, and then he would go and and join the other coworkers, uh, finish finish the shift with them, and then uh, around six o'clock he would go back and and do the second change of water, and he would put uh, from two to three hours more, so in a week he was putting he was putting uh, almost two two shifts more, uh, and then he was happy because you know what. I, I came to the states to work. and and uh, if they give me more hours, the more for me that is better for me. It keeps me out of trouble. Uh, instead of finishing my shift and then having the rest of the day with not nothing to do, I still have a couple more hours that i i'm I'm gonna be working every day. so when this when the whole forty hour deal happened, they asked him to train somebody else. So now he's not putting that extra hour in the morning. And he's not putting those two extra hours in the afternoon. So basically, he's only working those 40 hours. So uh, that, that's the that's mm. the answer that, that a lot of growers have, yeah. are doing is instead of having one guy working those extra hours, we'll just hire somebody else, even part time, instead of maybe just give him uh, 20 hours a week. And that and that solves uh, the problem overtime yield, but it's affecting, it's affecting everybody.
0: So your family member, it, does he live here or is he here as a guest worker? He's a, he's a guest worker. A guest he, worker, he, uh, but he's a, 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 a relative uh, from back in, in Mexico. In, Me- in Mexico. Yes. Got it. So, and, and that, that's what's happening is, you know, people are left with, even though the program is really crazy expensive and adds a whole bunch of, you know, layers more of rules and regulations, Farmers are having to resort to that just
1: to find the people to cover
0: these extra labor needs that they have. Right?
1: Absolutely. You know And, and the other, the other, uh, I guess, phenomena that now, I, at least I'm seeing is, uh, I manage uh, besides my uh, field work, I manage an orchard for Bluebird as well, and I get I get knocks on on the office literally every morning from from guys that are asking. Can I work for you? But it has to be paid cash because I already work for somebody mm. else, mm. but I already completed my 40 hours. I just uh, want to and, make and money. Yeah. They, they, they just want to work. They just want to work. And unfortunately, the, the, the grower cannot afford. They, I mean, if they could, they, they would. They would because I mean, a lot of these workers have been working for them for many, many years, but unfortunately they cannot survive as a small grower. Yeah. And having to pay already the high cost of everything, all the inputs, and then having to pay overtime, uh, unfortunately, and I say this because I've I seen it, uh, several of my growers uh, that they've been generations on, on that farm, they're having to sell or lease out hmm. to survive as farmers anymore. I've heard of, of similar farms as well. Um,
0: wow. Uh, it's not a good situation. Uh, this is the farming show. I'm Dylan Honkoop uh, here on, on KGMI Radio, uh, talking with Eric Savala. He's over in Eastern Washington, uh, he's the director of field staff for Bluebird, uh, f- uh grower cooperative over there, uh, growing tree fruit. Um, Eric, you talk about, and we just have a, a couple minutes left. You talk about misinformation and disinformation. What is that? How, how does, how does that work from, from your vantage point?
1: You know, uh, so basically, uh, so misinformation, uh, to me is, uh, a lot of, a lot of people, uh, when, when I was, basically when I was, when I was talking to my teacher about the 40 hours and how the, the work was going to get paid overtime. Uh, it, it sounds great but uh basically it's almost they, they tell uh it's it's telling the public what what looks great on paper but it, it's almost like it was not it was not fully uh studied or or, yeah. or projected what yeah. how the, how it really wasn't affected so it was it was almost like misleading uh for the for the uh, workers you know the uh, the farm workers. That it was like yeah you're gonna get overtime of that and it was like well that's great you know but they, they never anticipated that the 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 shock wave that it was gonna have and and now literally during harvest all these workers that basically during harvest you, there, there's no weekends again we go back to yeah. uh, how perishable the fruit is yeah and and, and yeah so workers were working uh, 60 70 hours at times and they were happy because they were putting all this time and it's only this short amount of time uh, yeah. during harvest. Yeah, because for the
0: past couple of months, there haven't it hasn't been that kind of
1: work to do, right? No, I mean back winter. in uh, mid, yeah. So in January we had that cold snap. I mean it was like almost uh, seven to ten days of really cold weather. So nobody was working. So now they're all this these workers are are forced to go to their savings accounts and start uh, pulling money out and not putting money in. And then we went to a uh, rainy weather so there's no work going on yeah. either so they only been working maybe just a week on, on this past uh, past two months
0: well and those savings and accounts are what you're supposed to beef up in in the summer and harvest time when you can get the extra hours so when you get fewer hours and then it all evens out around the year but if you can't get those hours during harvest time then you're hurting in the wintertime
1: absolutely absolutely that, that's uh, that's exactly it you know and and then when you get and everybody knows this I mean when when the heater does not shut off all 24/7 because it's so cold uh, you get the the bill on on the mail and it is, 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 is wow you know and 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 there's no input to those savings accounts so and then going back to the the this information it again is 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 almost you know I, I see some of the articles on uh, on the newspaper and it's some of the headings are are, are misleading. It's like uh, the workers uh, want the overtime, or and it's it's not. I guess personally, I I, I do not know of any worker, farm worker, that is happy with this yeah, law. That was something I, I was going to ask too. We
0: are out of time, but interesting conversation. And it's been great to connect with you, Eric, and get to know you. I uh, can't wait to make it over to the east, eastern uh, side of the state as soon as I can uh, one of these days. And uh, would love to, to get together with you over there when I am uh, Eric Zavala uh, with Bluebird uh, Tree Fruit Grower Cooperative. Uh, in Eastern Washington. Thanks for being with us on the program. Thanks what you for what you do, the role you play in in growing great food and the famous fruit that we have here in Washington state and and we appreciate your time.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.